they want that slap. It's not so separately. They know I come with that. Hey, what you got? Honey's overlapping. That's a rap. I'm on my level, nigga. You better come correct. Kill they ass with success. They won't like that. Kill they ass with success. They won't like that. Kill they ass with success. They won't like that. Kill they ass with success. Ordinary. I am not that. You're welcome. Wine and Hip Hop Los Angeles. We're in beautiful downtown LA. I got my man Dane. I got my man Sheldon. This is Wine and Hip Hop LA. We got something really, really crazy and special for y'all today. We got a Moet Chandon uh, limited edition rose by Virgil Abloh. If you guys don't know who Virgil Abloh is, you will quickly know who Virgil Abloh is. We got something really cool. We're gonna crack it open. We're gonna get into some life after death, some biggie. We're gonna talk about some Travis Scott. It's about to really go down. Welcome, my man. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Sheldon. What Gee, up, how are you? How good, are you? Good, good. All right. Uh, real quick, let's talk about this wine. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know who Virgil Abloh is, Virgil Abloh is a fashion designer. He started the brand Off-White. Off-White's this crazy, successful wine, I'm sorry, uh, um, fashion brand out in Milan. Uh, Virgil uh, did an uh, a internship at Fendi with Kanye back in 2009, I think it was. Um, through that partnership, uh, Virgil was able to get a bunch of deals with like Ikea. He's doing Ikea furniture. He's doing a, uh, I, I think they had him do a, uh, a little deal with Nike. So he's been doing like yeah. all this like kind of crazy yeah. stuff. So, uh, back in March, they asked Virgil to be the creative director, the first black creative director, uh, for the menswear line at Louis Vuitton, which is, which is crazy. Louis Vuitton is under this one house called uh, LVMH, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. So it was only natural that when they needed to do a limited edition bottling, uh, Moet Hennessy wanted to do one. They went to ask Virgil because they were all under the same house, which is kind of easy. And here you have this. This has only been on the market for like a month. Uh, this is a rosé uh, nectar imperial champagne. So basically, just for the wine geeks out there, every bottle of uh, brute champagne has a, about 1% of sugar. This is going to have 3%, so you guys are going to notice the, the, the difference for sure. So, we'll crack that open. Welcome. So, my man Damon, my man Sheldon are here, both from Brooklyn. We're gonna jump off. We want to talk about uh, the state of hip hop. We wanna, we wanna. I'm, I'm an old, I'm an old head. I'm gonna jump right out there. I love a lot of the new stuff. I love a lot of the Travis Scotts. Um, and then I know one thing that you guys want to come, kind of jump out with is life after death. Biggie's second album. It, it tripped me out. Second. I was reading about it. And I didn't realize that he only released two albums. Yeah, that's it. 25 years old when he died, two I albums, mean, and just kind of trips you out. Life After Death is almost like two albums in itself. It was. It was like yeah. 24 songs. Yeah, Double Disc. Yeah. Second album was Double, double Disc. What was that like for y'all? I mean, so I'm from St. Louis, and I had the whole Nelly effect, you know what I mean? That kind of, kind of quick little thing. But when Nelly came out... The city was on fire, man. And we didn't have hip-hop artists like you guys had. You guys got a lineage of hip-hop artists. So what was that like? Even though you guys had the history, what was it like when uh, when Life After Death came out in the city? I know it was a lot of tragic stuff that it went on, but like, where were you at that time of your life? Like, What was it like for you? Shit, I was in... Uh, I was in junior high. I was probably like 6th grade, 5th, 6th grade. Running the streets. Sixth grade, yeah. Um, Running the halls all crazy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just, it was like, it was like our moment. You know what I mean? Like, as a, as like a 13-year-old, like, you really coming of age. Yeah. And, like, the storytelling that Biggie has, was able to do pretty much resembled our life. Like, it's what we saw. So, it was... It's like for him to like almost make that mainstream, right. so that the world could like see how we see it. Yeah, and he he does it so eloquent eloquently. Yeah, that it's like you had a lot of pride. You know what I mean? Like yeah. saying that you're from Brooklyn, like yeah. exactly. That's you know, any like you always had those debates, exactly. Pac or Biggie, and it's like from Brooklyn, it's like you respect Pac, but you better yeah. not try to say you know what I mean. He's well, not the crazy best. Crazy thing is that I feel like. At that time, even like, because I was in junior high school as well, and at that time, there was the debate of bigger pot, but it had already become East Coast, West Coast yeah. by then. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. for the older casters that knew that pot came from New York as well, 
right. and, and had did his run there would have been like, you know, so I feel like they may have felt a little bit differently about it. And for us, it, it, out the gate, it was already East Coast, West Coast. You're yeah. from the East. You don't, you've never been to the West, so you're not thinking about, like, there's no chance that Pac is better than Big. Because yeah. he's not, you know, he's not yeah. representing where you're from. Exactly. So it was already hands down. But as I got older and listening to Pac, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you, like, did you ever like as kids find yourself getting caught up a little bit in that like East oh, West thing? Of course. Was it like was it like only Biggie and you didn't want to hear pop? Yeah, of course. Like, like for me, I was I didn't want to listen to pop. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. care about anything yeah, that was yeah. coming from that side. Like yeah. you know, and that was it. Just it was like Jay Z, Biggie, yep. DMX, it was all East Big Coast. Pun. Yeah. Gotcha. But is it? Little, I think with for me, I guess we can attest to not only being from Brooklyn, but being Caribbean as well, so I'm Jamaican. Biggie is Jamaican, right. so it's like you have that. It's it's like you have to be prideful of that because like yeah. we're such prideful people. Exactly. So it's like you know, when one of your own make it, it's like all right, yeah, we, yeah. you gotta ride or die with him no matter what, yeah. you know. Um, but at the same time, it's like he embodied what Brooklyn was, you know. What yeah. I'm saying it was that gritty hustle mentality, you know, but still flashy, mm-hmm. but. Street smart, get it, get it by any means yeah. necessary. Yeah. yeah, but th- and I think it was crazy too is that we had lost pot, yep. and I was like, well, because I mean, you never thought it was gonna get to that, right? Like, especially like being a kid listening to the music. I think for me, it was just music, and and you've heard the little things of, of it becoming real, but I I think that that's when it became its realest. Yeah, and then yeah. before you knew it, Biggie was gone. And the trippy thing for me was, I think I first heard the, my dad actually bought the uh, the Life After Death CD, and you know I had always been listening to Pac, listening to Biggie, but I was a kid too. I was like 12, 13 years old. So I think when when Pac died, that's when it kind of got real for me too. Yeah. And then six months later or whatever it was, when Biggie died, I was like, oh, shit, like, this shit is real. And that's when I really started listening to Biggie. And it, it kind of makes me sad that I didn't catch it yeah. exactly when it was going down. Then again, I'm not from Brooklyn. Right. So I imagine it was, like, totally different from y'all. And a little disclaimer, when I got to college, uh, you know, you kind of in this melting pot of people. And it was always cool seeing the Brooklyn cast come in the building. Because I went to school in Missouri, long stories, in Illinois. But... When, the, when, when anybody from Brooklyn came, it was like, oh, shit. It was like, you from Brooklyn, son, you're going to be to hear it in his voice. It was like this, that energy. And then, of course, it was the biggie. It was the whole thing. Cheers, yeah. by the way. I'm Cheers. sorry. My bad. Cheers. We're going to pop the rosé while we talk. So that was always cool, man. Um, and then, yeah, I was I was just going back to my history. You had 24 albums. Oh, sorry, 24 tracks on the album. Double disc. And when I'm listening to it, for me, and, and it was a trip because I actually kind of was reading up a little bit more on it. It was all like mafioso, yep. yeah, like Frank White type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And uh, he had just released, well, I think right after that, they did Victory. Uh, Puffy oh, and the Puffy Family did Victory, yeah. which was like a huge song for me. Uh, and that was the hat that had that mafioso thing. Yeah. But a lot of the songs on Life or Death was the same way. And it kind of unfortunately foreshadowed what took place in his life. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? I, I kind of wondered if right. he was to feeling me, that. I remember when the album came out, and of course, you know, everything surrounding it, it was getting spins like crazy on Hot 97. And I remember the first song that stood out to me was Going Back to Cali. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> we was like, oh, shit. Like, he literally was just like, yo. Yeah. I'm gonna go where I want. Like that was just really some yeah. bullshit. He's like, no, I'm gonna fuck with them. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna go there, and it's gonna be cool. Yeah. I mean, although it's not what panned out, but yeah. it was, it was kind of dope to hear this, this, this song and to think like he was actually bringing Cali to us, like who had never been there. Yeah. You know, the yeah, women and the weather, like yeah, yeah. I think he kind of opened it up. Yeah. What was your uh, What's your thoughts on that? How'd you how'd you feel when when everything hit? Cause cause I think he started he released the very first song uh, was hypnotized. hypnotized. That yeah. was the number one song off his album, and they released that I think like a week before he died. 
So right around that time, in the beginning of March of 97, was, was when everything, I mean, and it's a trip. He was like going back to Cali, you know, he's yeah. got all these records and shit, and then that happens. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like it, it like I was saying before, like him, him embodying what we were, like what we are in Brooklyn, you know, having that mentality of like not backing down, right. you know, and feeling that we can go anywhere we want, right, and we gonna represent who we are. So right. we ain't gonna take no shit. Nobody's gonna tell us what to do, right. and a lot of times it, it, it bites us in the ass, but yeah. it's like, yo. Fuck it, we going we going this is how we gonna go. But at the same time, it's like it kind of took time, it kind of took like a, a the breath out of the city for a while. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because sure. it's like like he was like he was saying before, like you didn't really see how real it was. Like you knew what it was, yeah, but you didn't know. It was but that you real. you didn't yeah. know it was that real. And you have that representative for the city for that but long. We have, but but at the yeah. same time, we had things like leading up because like even Pac getting shot in New York before, yep. so it's yep. like. We knew it was real. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And we knew like and, and just from all the other shit that go on like Lost Boys and Mob Deep and all yeah. these other people having their own drama. Yeah. We knew what it was. You know what I'm saying? Right. But at the same time, it's like it's music. So Yeah. But we know they we know they're gangsters. So we're not even like gonna say like ah nah, it's not no real shit. Like yeah, we know is. they're gangsters, but it is. You just figure that it all right, they'll kinda stick to the music. Yeah. Right. But we know Well that's you know? and that was the crazy thing because like that experiencing that that beef brought it to my attention back and I think it was the first time like the shit they was rapping about was real they was living it yeah. because it was like it was it was like I learned that the music industry was run by fucking gangsters <laughs> that's the first time that I learned it and it was like damn that shit makes sense it was you a, know? it was a trip man if you think back uh, Biggie was uh, 24 years old when he died Mm-hmm. 24 years yeah. old which is, which is crazy and Pac was 25 it's just yeah. like yeah man uh, it, it does remind you that shit's real life and it's it's, it's kind of sad but at the same time they were so wise you know for the age yeah. you know I mean oh, yeah. so it was like just the amount that they were able to experience and and share with us right you know what I mean like this is what what, it, what it's really like right. you know what I'm saying like you think it's all glitz and glam but Motherfuckers is dying out here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No matter which way you spin it, even if it's like on some street shit or if it's on some, you know, more so like Brenda's baby and shit like that. Yeah. Like it's yeah. There's the two sides of it. Exactly. I mean, I and how like, and how those sides like interact with each other. What was yeah. crazy was that the effect that it had on the industry, on hip hop, on the culture, yeah. it it was like it literally was just like Jesus sacrificing, you know, yeah. for the greater for greater good. Because like after them, it was like everything was chill for like a good strong minute. I think the world was shocked. Yeah, yeah that that took place. Yeah, to that and, magnitude. And to be yeah. real, it 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 paved the way for hip hop to become pop. Yeah, because it was like every media outlet. It transcended New York and L.A. And it's unfortunate. It transcended black culture you it's know? unfortunate that tragic events like that always get us to the point where we're like look it's gotta stop right it's gotta stop and uh, for us to get to that point we had to sacrifice two of the greatest hip-hop yeah. artists that ever lived but i mean the sad thing is that that's part of the culture is the way that we're picked up in the media and the stories that do get out there mm-hmm. because it's like think of ice cube and nwa when nwa was nwa Everything that they did that made it seem like gangsters and thugs yeah. what was put out there. Yeah. But then, you know, the, the, the way they affected the community, you know, Ice Cube writing movies and doing, you know, all the positive things he did. Yeah. No one ever wanted to talk about that, yeah. you know? And, it, I mean, that's still the media culture today. Favorite song on Life or Death? What's your favorite song? Nasty Girl. Okay. I uh, I was listening to that this morning. I was that's like, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> This is edgy. <laughs> this is raunchy. Favorite song on the Life or Death show? Only one. I'd probably say I love the dope. Really? That's always been my shit. <sighs> just day. because, yeah, because like, I love that, just like the blender book. Like, Hope is one of my favorite rappers, too. And just like the the flashiness of it. It's like, yeah. That's my shit. I can see. I've always been that kind of 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that was but, your anthem. Yeah. My uh, hands down favorite song on uh, Life After Death. And I don't know if a lot of people feel this because of because I never hear anybody talk about it. My favorite song was "What's Beef." What's beef? What's beef? Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I mean that was again. That was like literally one of those looks. You yeah. felt like he was a mob boss. Yeah. In the mob, talking about all the stuff. But then that was the crazy thing was that like growing up, especially being on the East Coast, the the, the story was always that Pac started it. It was Pac's fault. Pac started it. And that, that no biggie didn't have anything to do with the shooting. It's like all this stuff. But then when you listen to the records, you're like, wait a minute. You're like, hold on, hold on. Wait, I don't wait know. what really happened? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know really if he's care. as innocent as they try to make it seem. But on the East Coast, they try to make it like, nah, Pac was just wilding out. Yeah. I fucking love this song. So sick. The the whole, like, the, the like orchestra in the back. And, you yeah. know, Puff got on the end and was talking this shit. I just, I love that song, man. Like, think- even the mad rapper skits. It wasn't until this week I listened to it and I was like, yo, shit, that's pop. How do you guys feel about what's happening with the new uh, wave of hip-hop? Um, and before I get too deep into that, I wanted to point out somebody who I really appreciate. Uh, Travis Scott. Um, the new Astro World album just dropped a couple months ago. And for me, being uh, you know, such a fan of hip hop that I've been for so long. I appreciate artists that come out and kind of don't forget where they came from. Um, and a, a thing that stood out to me was a lot of the references on his album were for everybody in the screwed up clique, Big Hawk. He was shouting out Lil Kiki, a lot of like the, the old Houston rappers. And I appreciated that a lot. And the reason I bring up Travis Scott is because I would consider you. Tell me if you guys think differently. I would consider Travis Scott to be probably the leader of the new sound of hip-hop and where it's going now. A lot of the auto-tune, a lot of the um, the heavy emphasis on production and beats, maybe not as much emphasis uh, on lyrics, even though I think that his, his astral world, he's definitely stepped his lyrics up a yeah. lot. But um, I, what, do, what do you guys think about I, where we're going? Astral World took a little bit to grow on me. It took a while. Um, yeah, be honest, because I know yeah. he's got songs where he's like, he's got one sound and he'll flip it and do something yeah. totally crazy different. Yeah, but which is interesting to me because I mean I consider Travis a Kanye baby. Mm-hmm. Like 808s and heartbreak, heartbreaks influence most of his sound. I feel like that we get from and Travis. Stacks and yeah, and, um, I mean yeah, his Houston roots. But then, as far as sonically, I feel like Kanye had a huge influence because Cuddy we, too. Yeah, Cuddy, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that Cuddy tree. does. Yeah, yeah, that that whole thing. I mean, people never associate the fact that Kanye gets most of his sound from Cuddy. Yeah. Like Cuddy's, yeah. he's a forerunner of a lot of the auto tune, and um, you know, just the kind of singing, rapping on the track. And so, Astro World took a while to grow on me, and the more I listen to it, it's the more that I'm realize, realizing like it is. His 808s and heartbreaks uh, interpretation, but then this one sort of meets my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, yep, which I fucking love that album. Yeah, that album's great, like, hands down. Yeah, one of which, my favorite albums ever. Which is part of the reason why I don't consider Travis in the pool of these new rappers because he's still a musician. Because like when you listen to the, the way the production flows on those things, you know he has a hand in it, and you know it becomes like a symphony. It's not like the loops. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like he has this measure, and this is what it's playing, and you switch to this measure, and now, you know what I'm saying? So it's almost like classical, yeah. which is like a vibe that Kanye has in most yeah. of his things. Yeah. What you think, Sheldon? How you feel about um, Astro and maybe kind of where everything is going with that? I mean, song? I thought, I think, I thought Astro hit me right away. Because I'm, when I listen to albums, like I tend to just listen it throughout. Just let it play, even yeah. if I'm like paying attention or not. Just to kind of like hear where it, where it's going, um, how how the transitions are and the blends are, and then then I start to listen to it like things like my daily activities. So if I'm driving, like, that's probably like the, the biggest connection because what kind of vibe does it put me in when I'm driving? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And when I'm in the gym. If I'm in the gym and it and it knocks and I can listen throughout the whole the whole album without skipping songs, it's cool. And then after that, then I listen to like what they're actually trying to say. Right. You know what I mean, 
um, and then how the production is put together. And I like, I, I no bullshit. Like when I listened to it, I was like, yeah, this shit is fire. Yeah. Like I and hearing like even if you just listen to his, his previous album, um, the Midnight one. Oh, Birds in the Trap yeah. Singer, right? like, uh, which I thought was which was fucking dopest. Oh uh, no, for sure. And the title of that album is crazy. <laughs> For sure. Birds in the Traps and Crime Night. Shout out to Travel. But then man. you look, you could instantaneously see the, the growth. Yeah. Because it was like, I gave you this one. It was like, it had hits on it. It did. But A lot of hits. I like a lot of but, songs. But it didn't get the level of respect that it should have gotten. It, I feel like he was still a little underground. Yes. Yeah, at, yeah. At that point. So, yeah. so what he did was like, yo, all right. Yeah. All I'm right. about to hit y'all with this shit. And it's like, all right, I see well, what you're doing. Well, I feel like, too, and, and I may just be speaking for me, but people may not have, they were feeling him out. Like, yeah. Travis, to me, is such an eclectic artist that... When he first came, I was he's just like, like I don't know. Rock yeah, I didn't know what he was about, yeah. so I couldn't make it. You know, what I'm saying I couldn't be like, yo, I'm down for this. Like there were songs and the singles I was I was for, but as like there was they weren't enough to make me say I'm gonna go listen to a whole yeah, album. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this sickle mode, it's like and what, you put and it while on, they talk, I'm, I'm gonna play a little sickle mode because yeah. it's, it's a prime example of how he starts one way, yeah. and and we, even when Drake was about to come in, to be dead honest, when Drake was coming in, I was like. I've heard this before. Right. I've heard a Drake cameo where he jumps on and he just rolls in the first verse and after two bars he stopped and the yeah. beat changed and I was like yeah. it yeah. was crazy to me. Yeah. I was like this is He perfect. basically merged like two songs. It was amazing. But it's what I'm saying it's like like a symphony like he takes you through measures. He's not just like production on loop. Right. You know? And to me it's like it it's a an a testament to where music can still stay. You know, because it's like now you think of like you look at Mozart and those kind of symphonies. Yeah. And like, bro, this shit was like 15 minutes long it, and know. nothing repeated itself I at know. all. I know. You know, I know. nothing repeated itself. And they would just sit there and pen that shit. Yeah. You know, not even words, just notes and just like make it mean something. So it's like when you look at our art and how it's like, you know, kind of being reduced due to technology. He's found a way to incorporate technology and keep that quality of like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, one one of my favorite songs. I'll go ahead and run through it real quick on this album was uh, "No Bystanders." Mm. So, yeah, I grew yeah. up in St. Louis. So you know, right around high school, we had the Nelly influence. But up until Nelly came out, we had one thing to rely on, and that was South. That was Three Six Mafia. That was right. Ti. That was like, and pretty much every down south artist, No Limit, Cash Hot Money, Hot Boys. The Hot Boys first Guerrilla Warfare album. Like, don't even talk to me about yeah. that. One through seventeen, one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. But I mean, that's all we had. And so when I heard him jump on here and and sample yeah. some motherfucking Three Six, I lost my shit, man. I was in the car. I had to stop the car. Yeah. I was. I, I needed to pull off to the side to, to kind of understand what but he was this, doing. But that's it. This is this is what it is. What I, what we kind of talked about before in terms of like artists that are, are able to make long term or transitional music or, or, or music that has longevity. You know what I mean? So if you're able to tie in the old and make it sound current, yep. where that you can attract. Like the quote unquote hip hop heads that from that love the He's old school like, shit. Teddy Cobra. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. my so you, God. So once you hear that shit, yeah. you're gonna be like, all right, all right who's it? You're like, like, oh who's my this God. Kid? And you're gonna listen to it, and then and then it's gonna be like, would I listen to this song in a club five years from now? Exactly. You would. Exactly. Still, like yeah. if you look at, like, how many how many songs you could listen to from five, ten years ago? Uh, uh, no, no, I mean like club anthems that still hit hit right now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, yo, this shit is old, but it it was such a, It also depends on what time of night it is. It's, oh, no, of course. If, it, if it's yeah. midnight, it's different than 1.30. All right. You know what I mean? Back that ass up. That song yeah. will forever, forever. forever be a smash. Forever. Yeah. I mean... Forever. No, yeah. I know. And, 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 and I'm talking no. about... Like, you're right. Yeah. It's definitely in the context forever. that it is. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm trying to say. Is like... But whatever, yeah. whatever you're listening to music for, you there's, there's certain songs that no matter what, 
you put this song on, it's, it's going to tell you shit. I'm going to tell you this. What you, and what you're saying is like things that transcend the culture. Because as soon as you said back, I was like, well, kind of depends where I'm at. And I was like, nah, whether I'm in LA, whether I'm in New York, whether I'm in Miami, that song, everybody turns up. Or you could be in, in Europe. Yeah. In, in the Caribbean. And, and you play that shit, yeah. they all gonna fuck with it. By yeah. the way, uh, take two seconds out. You gotta view my man's Instagram right here. My man's <laughs> traveling all around the world. I don't wanna spoil the surprise, <laughs> but can you please say your Instagram? Because that shit's crazy. Everybody watching needs to see his Instagram immediately. What's your name on Instagram? Damien Desiree. D A M I A N D E S I R E E. You won't be let down by the level of fucking flyness on this man's Instagram. Just trust me. I, my, my Instagram aspires. To I don't, be like I don't know. It'll never be like that. It'll never be like that. Um, but yes. So I feel like I mean, even when this came out, I immediately I I, I took the link. And I hit all my uh, my group chats, everything. I was like, yeah, this, yeah. he just sampled. I was like, he just sampled three six. Listen to this, and and people was like, a lot of I, I got a response back that I didn't um, know what I would get because um, some people are loving trap, some people aren't. Yeah, right. Everybody has different musical tastes, but everybody was like, not only did I like the sample, I liked his lyrics. Yeah, his lyrics was hitting in the yeah. song. But the, the funny thing about like where music is now. So, one of the things to me that stood out, like, as we're comparing the two albums, Biggie was an artist who put words together in a way that nobody had did in that genre. Like, you know what I'm saying? And he kind of revolutionized the way people rap. And I feel like Travis Sorry, and a lot of... I just want to piggyback on exactly what you're saying. So, Big's influence, you can hear the Snickers influence in Big in terms right. of like the storytelling aspect. Right. But what I would say Big had over somebody like Snickers was his ability to get on any kind of track and no matter the beat, flow, yeah, yeah, yeah. no Didn't matter happen. what, yeah. was perfect That's for that track. The way he put I, yeah. words together. It's it like, was just, yeah. you, you listen to a lyric and he'll drop the bar at the word the. And then pick it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was like he was like telling the actual story through the flow. And I think that most people were trapped in getting the complete thought in the bar. Whereas Biggie, like uh, like Shakespeare, like when you when you use the I I um iambic pentameter, which is like in beats of five, he basically was like Shakespeare, where Shakespeare would give you this bar and then drop to tell the story. You know, which to me is like, I mean, to me it just shows like art is the spiritual. Because if he's never had that education, how is he able to do that? You know? And I feel like now with Travis Scott and most producers, and that's why we're such in a producer heavy state for hip hop, that's they're doing sonically what Biggie was doing lyrically. And that's where you fall into like, like sickle mode is the, the production on that is just. It is. It is. And whoever, uh, I mean, like on the uh, the opening track to Astroworld has a, um, a song, it's called Stargazing. He has yes. like yeah, four. Oh, that shit is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I'm going to play it now. Yeah. I love it. But he has literally like four fucking people producing the song. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that today. I was, you know, just looking so around. Then he becomes like the composer. Like yeah. he's just. This rose champagne is a little bit sugary more than normal rosé it's called the uh, nectar imperial nectar for everybody out there just means it's got a little bit more sugar than the, the regular what do you guys think of it it's funny because i heard you say you're not a really a rosé guy yeah not really a rosé drinker the funny thing is i have we have a very funny relationship with Moet. like i don't really drink a lot of champagne <laughs> but we'll never forget <laughs> we were young in new york going out to the club and in New York, you stand on line in the dead of winter. It's, it's cold. Yeah. You stand on line again, and the only way to bypass the line is if you're doing bottle service. So we went to the club. Avalon was the name of the time. And it's like, it's in, within this church, this old cathedral. And he turned into a club and all types of secular shit. Yeah. It was Avalon or Element? Avalon. It was Avalon. Uh, Element was another story. Element was, yeah, another story. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we go into Avalon. We like, all right, we gotta yeah, get a bottle because we gotta, we gotta get in here. 
So we're going to split the bottle between us. You get in there like, oh, this is the bottle prices. Yeah, that's like, all right, we just want to get in. We're just going to get the Moet, the, the yeah. 150 bottle, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, which one's the, like, the white star? And she's like, oh, you can't white star? <laughs> and we're like, I'm telling you, what are you talking about? You working, I'm spending my money. You tell me what I'm getting. White star? Like, you peasants. <laughs> we'll never forget that. But I'm not a rosé drinker, and this has, like, a pretty good flavor, and it's yeah. and, and sweetness, to me, helps it. Yeah, so, so the not-so-secret secret in the wine world, I've worked in Beverly Hills, I've worked in Santa Monica, I've been in the wine game for years. The not-so-secret secret is that black people love a sweeter uh, flavor profile. Um, I had a, a good conversation with an NFL guy uh, about Kool-Aid. I mean, we, we literally came in, we started talking about wine, and he compared it to Kool-Aid. Uh, we love sweet stuff. This yeah. is one of the better uh, rosé champagnes I've had, and I agree, it's because of that sweetness. Yeah. Because a lot of them are really dry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But when you get that nectar imperial, you turn it up to like three grams a liter, I'm not going to nerd y'all out. But basically, uh, this is the, the sweetness really balances the fruit. It, I love it, man. It's yeah. really nice. And this uh, bottle for me signifies so much more because Virgil Abloh did it. It's a piece of fucking art. It's dope. Shout out to Virgil Abloh. Mm-hmm. It's crazy shit. So he's just mainly involved in the bottle. Yeah. Not, so not. so Moet Hennessy asked Virgil to create a limited edition bottle uh, for them. And he said, of course. Mm-hmm. And he did this. And so, again, you know, he put the, the do not drop on the bottle, which is kind of like a play on words. It's don't drop the bottle, obviously, but it's... Uh, a celebration. He's kind of like, don't drop the moment. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, man. I think it's. I think it's dope. And to me, that's one of the things about his sense of style that I love is that he'll just take the most ironic thing and actually just put it on the clothes. Which to me, I I would imagine is why him and Kanye yep. connected. Yep. Because when you think of Kanye's whole rev- revolt against the fashion industry to get in. Yeah. It's just ironic. <laughs> like, why would you want to be a revolutionary? You know what I'm saying? You want to destroy what you want to get into yeah. because they won't let you in. Right. And then you get in and then he's even more ironic. He's like, you know what? I'm going to just sell tattered shit because yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? For the and price look, of these look now. Yeah. Look and it, to me, it's just like, it's, it's brilliant. And it's, the question becomes like, is it like conscious brilliance or just like, shit that just happened you know i i i agree with you and i think it's brilliance in whatever form you want to take because virgil does it so tasteful he does it so tasteful this is an off-white like i have an off-white shirt that says moving still people take that in so many ways Mm -hmm. you know don't drop do not not drop drop. (laughs) so look Let's talk real. Let's get real, real. Take a sip. Take real, real. What would Biggie and or Pac say if they were here today? What would Biggie and Pac say about the current state of hip hop? What would they say about the songs they hear on the radio? What would they say about? I mean, fuck it. What would they say about the clothes that people wear? What would they say about all of hip hop? In your opinion, what do, what, what, what do you think they step in the game right now? What will I think, like, I think they'll fuck with it. I definitely think they'll fuck with it more in, in the sense that, I mean, even back in the 90s, you still had conscious rappers in the 90s. Um, lyric, I mean, lyrics was always still a big thing. I'm, I'm gonna say, like, line, 90s, mid 90s, 2000s, but it was still. Party anthems were like the biggest thing, you know what I mean? Um, where lyrics weren't as important, and it was just the heavy bass, you know what I mean? And it's something that could make you move. But then you still had, like, even with DMX, like you still had that gritty. that gritty, but preaching that message that pop was like, you know what I'm saying? Um, and now you still have that essence too, where it's like. Um, with Kendrick, J. Cole, um, I'm probably missing out on a lot more, but that that are able to give you that pop element, 
that that what hip hop is now, but at the same time also give you a message in the same breath. Where and that's what Pac was able to do. Yeah, right. And in Biggie's term, Biggie, not to say Biggie, there was always a message of what Biggie was saying. Always. You just had to be able to decipher what that message it was. was. A story. Yeah. It was always yeah. a story. Yeah. But at the same time, he's giving it to you in in this light that it's it's that. That it's, the street people can understand. So if you're not as, like, if you street smart, you'll get, you'll get it. it. You yeah, know what I mean, and there's certain rappers now, like even with the locks, or even with, like this certain. I mean, locks is still, I guess you call them old school, but old school. but locks is still like after Biggie in a sense, you know. Right. So they were never really commercial pop. They had touches of it, but they still have ability to be street that the street niggas will understand. And then every once in a while, throwing a little bit of a that was a hard is or more Jada. It's crazy because the Locks had a hard time. Jada's breaking. one of my favorite artists. Yeah, time yeah, Jada's right. sick, and the Locks had a hard time popping because they weren't pop. They yeah. were so street. Yeah, but Dmx, yeah, more street than Locks, and he popped because of the anthem. Yeah, Rough Riders anthem. Yeah, you know. Well, and, you gotta thank Swiss Beats for that, right? You and gotta it, thank his production because. Yeah. Because you could be whatever you want. If you got it's, it's there's something that people can chant, like because yeah. we're all still tribal in a yeah. sense, like no matter yeah. what. But you know, to touch on what you're saying, like for me, I think they would both heavily fuck with the state of hip hop now. And I think if they had remained alive, it would have elevated the level of the game. I think so. But the reality is that they symbolize just two just separate rappers that we have now where you have your J. Coles and your Takashi 6 ix whereas Biggie was all talking about his experience everything he talked about was from within and what he knew and how he did it and what he wanted it was like the I generation which is what you have and then Pac was just a revolutionary you know what I'm saying? Because of his background, his mom being a Panther, just coming from that world, yeah. he, you know, and that, and that's what he was about. So then everything he had had a straightforward message because it had to reach the people like a politician. Yeah. Like if a politician got on stage talking in code, you'd be like, man, I'm not going for this dude. I don't understand that he's saying. So then you have your J. Coles and your Kendrick Lamar's who incorporate both is the five plus having a message, message yeah. whereas like everyone else is just me it's like oh Takashi like oh I'm from Brooklyn alright people don't accept me I'm an outcast I'm gonna just do this shit do how I want because the kids today they because of MTV like even if you were going in the hood and had hip hop you were introduced to Blink 182 all types of punk rock and that's what gets you your Uzi Vert because unlike New York if you're from the south or anywhere else you're mixing yeah. You're in high school with people that listen to Blink-182 and are emo. When you feel like you should only listen to Biggie, Pog, Jay-Z, and then you're like, wait, but these people around me aren't listening to this. And then it becomes a melting of the two. And I feel like that's where hip-hop is now, where it's like people talk way more about their feelings. Yeah. People are singing way more. People are way more expressive than that in that time where it's your words where it was New York where it's like that forward talk it's like yo you know what I'm saying it's like it's not like hey we're like yo and that's where hip hop was at the time and now that it's blanketed you know all of America you get the different cultures of the different states and and, and regions I uh I've, I've always looked at Biggie and Pop as two of the most lyrical um, artists that have, have ever come about. I mean, you go back to the 80s and you had, you know, Slick Ricks, you had the Eric B. and Rakim, you get to the 90s, you had the Box and the Biggies. And uh, I always kind of put them a little bit in that box of lyrical masters. Let's just call them right. lyrical masters. Since, you know, in the last 10 years, hip hop changed a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got into the auto tune. We got into what I feel is much more of a heavy emphasis, like I said, on production and beats. Yeah. And now I feel like hip hop is much more about the feeling. It's about that bounce. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. about the dances. It's about yeah. all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and there are times where I feel like we have gotten away from the strength of the lyrics. Yes. That's why I always feel like a biggie or a pot to step into the game right now and um, appreciate the game, but still literally just on top. You look at the M&Ms, you look at the yeah. Coles, you look at the Lil Wayne's, the lyricists mm -hmm. will never die. But if you, and I mean, 
So I read this article about Hope the other day too. Jay-Z's and and talking never about die. how Hope like I remember the black album was supposed to be the last album. Right. And we knew it we knew it would but but at the time it, would be. it was because he was like, yo, where hip hop was was whack. Yeah. And in a sense, it wasn't, it, was. it wasn't. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. It was changing. Because Black, yeah, Black Album was like 2003, around that time. Yep, it yeah. was. Exactly. So that's when you had like snap rap coming in. It's like all these other like kind of goofy shit coming in. <laughs> you can't call it that every Snap rap? <laughs> wait, wait. Like, like Lappy Tappy, about? like Deep Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It got, but you know what? Again, no, that was the shift to production. <laughs> no, no, no. Fable, no, but, but Fable, no, but even with, even what you just not, said though, even what you just thought about the feeling, yeah, that's what it was. It was, yeah. it was transitioning more so to the feeling than actually what he was saying. So this was whole was kind of like, I right, yo, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> but also re-strategizing, like he's like taking a step back and it's like, all right, I see where the shift is gonna go. How am I gonna remain relevant on this? And, and what do you think? He and, did? No, this is what he did. He literally told you. To grow the fuck up. <laughs> no bullshit. He told you to grow the fuck up. He's like, what, change clothes and all that? It's like, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You started, because everybody was wearing jerseys. Yeah. Fucking, wait, wait. What, um, when, uh, fucking your boy from St. Louis. Nelly. Nelly. That's jersey heavy. Yeah. Like, everything was jersey but heavy. Which also came influence from Jay. Yes. From but, the- but, but, but his thing was. North Carolina how I how I did it, and then like how everybody else is coming after that shit and yeah. making it like kind of like. But that's the, that's the I, thing. It's like when he realized like I have my finger on the pulse of yeah. culture. So it's like yeah, it's like and then everyone started wearing button downs. It had yeah. to be about the button downs. You know, I remember my which, first button down was like a two X man. Which he also literally, stole from literally was hanging. Yeah, I go back and look at pictures now. With the Versace, the, the Kuji. Yeah, like he realized like yo. We literally dictate the path, yes, yeah, you know. And then that's yeah. when he realized, like, and, and Jay being the smart person he is, which I think Biggie would have been in the same space, yeah. especially with Puffy, was understanding, like, okay, like the whole Crystal situation. Yeah, it's like, oh, y'all don't want to, you know, what I'm saying, y'all don't want us that we don't need you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying, let's see how that works for you. And and. He uh he, he won that battle. He won that battle. Without going into a lot of detail, he no, won that battle. No. And it's and it's kinda crazy. Yeah. It's and, kinda and crazy. So Jay's always been the, the dude that knows the, the strength of his power, which he learned from where Biggie and Pac was. Because yeah. they originally held all the power and they didn't know how to use it or what to do with it. And that's part of the separation between, in my opinion, Dame and Jay, because it was just like, nah, this is me. But Jay never had to adapt. I don't think Jay no, no, he ever. Didn't. He, he never. He never. Cha- he never changed. Who he, he, he was. Transcend- no, no. He no, no, stayed he on the top of the game. I don't. Nah, he, he did, no, no. Bro. I'm gonna tell you, you why. So? He did. Tell me. Tell he me. Did because did. it's like if you look at one eye, one of the albums that I think was one of the most underrated albums. Two albums, matter of fact, it's most underrated album. The gift and the curse. The gift and the curse two, and Kingdom no, Come. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Blueprint to Gift and Curse. Sorry. Now I'm gonna tell you why. So if you listen to like melodically, Kingdom Come is like it's a whole different side of Kingdom side Come of was dope. Because this this, was this, dope. this is kinda like when this is when he got more personal. Yeah. When he first started getting more personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like the loss of his nephew and then like him like foreshadowing like I like when I have a child myself. Like that, that whole album was like actually he. I think that's when he actually let you inside. Yeah. Feeling wise, mm-hmm. and if you and if you notice like music that, which I'll say is the blueprint he put Beyonce on. Yeah, but but, the, okay. but music that allows you to be like like connect is when that when an artist is able to like pour themselves into the music. Yeah. Right. When you when you get that genuine like yo, this is my pain. Yeah. Uh, and this is why, and I, I'm a, I'm a, and just to segue, I thought, I, I thought I'm gonna segue a little bit. Let me say it was crazy. I know. Also, revolutionary for the sound. Yeah, his sound. yeah. I thought Magna Carta, Holy Grail. I'm gonna tell you something. I so I, I never really listened to um, the XX Extension. Right? Yeah. But the, but what I what I realized when I would hear like certain songs, 
he poured himself into every song he made. Yeah. So even if you didn't like him as an artist or like his music, the passion that he had behind it is what you can see why he was successful in that time. But that's the thing, right. though. That was not hip hop. Before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you were expressing anything, it was your rage at the way things were. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it wasn't about me, which is what I'm saying. Yeah. Biggie led the transition. It was like, yo, me, 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 me. Yeah. I rock Versace. I'll fuck your hoe. I'll do, you know what I'm saying? And so he, he basically started to, so, so one of the things that was, that I always remember was the beef supposedly started because Pac was saying that Biggie took his style. And the reality is that Biggie, like was talking about clothes and like he glamorized gangster. Yeah. And then Pac really became Pac was gangster and thug in his own way about being a revolutionary. But when he got with Death Row, then it became like real gangster. But Biggie was already talking like street shit. Yeah. You know, because that's where he lived, that's what he was. Where Pac was in the streets but wasn't in the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because Pac was, was ex- with, with was with um what's that, what's that group? Oh, oh, Humpty uh, Dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even that digital. was a dance. Yeah, yeah, underground digital. digital. Yeah, a digital underground. Digital underground. And the thing was, even then, they had dance a dance song. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Which would be considered snap rap. You remember Pac had the but, hair? He had the, like, yeah, yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? Like cutting his hair. And, 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 and that's yeah. the thing that people don't even ever realize about Pac. Pac is that Pac. So I've and even as a kid, I've always said it. Like when the album first came out, and I realized that these two existed, was that. Biggie was a rapper. That was what Biggie did. That's what Biggie was about. It's like saying, like, all right, you play football and basketball, but you go pro for basketball. All right, I'm not going to call you a football player. All right. Name one time that you remember a Pac ad-lib or a Biggie ad-lib. You don't know. No Pac had no ad-libs. Biggie had one ad-lib. Baby, baby. That's it. They were straight rappers. Yeah. Rapper, rapper, rapper. And that's why I still look at them as hands down. So who started ad libs? That's a lot. It's a lot. No, it's a Ho, lot. Hope started ad libs too. Then nah, that's started. Hope has one ad lib. Hope has one ad lib. That's the that's the only thing. Oh, he got like two things maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so so to to in summary, I feel like <laughs> if you look back at the eighties. The rappers, Eric B and Rakim, so you go up to the 90s, Eric, uh, the Biggies, the Fox, go through the 2000s, the D4Ls, the Fables, and the thum, thum, uh, all that, the Nellies, <laughs> all that, everything. You come to today, you still got the Takashis, you still got the the uh, Coles. I feel like hip hop's gonna be okay. It's gonna be. It's gonna go through trends yeah. and waves, but you're gonna have some people that are popular, some people that are less popular, but. Yeah. I think you're going to have okay. sub-genres that are just going to coincide together. Well, here's the funny thing, is that when you look at a lot of, like, the old producers and, and, and powerhouses, I would say giants, a lot of the old giants of music, for instance, Quincy Jones, a lot of them didn't, like, were trying to break out of being in a genre. Like, yeah. they just wanted to do music. Yeah. And, like, I feel like Kanye is that type of person. Like, I just saw Gary Clark Jr. live the other day, and my man went from soul into punk rock into r&b in like an instant and like just two different songs three different songs and they were all like you could feel him in every one of them and it's like there's still artists that are just like the music and and ironically speaking the state of hip-hop now is flooded with artists and not necessarily rappers and that's what's happening yeah yeah you know expression of the self and not really telling a story but I think I think what's gonna happen though is like being that it's it's an oversaturated genre now. There's gonna come a streamline. There's gonna come a point in time. It's not not to say that people are gonna not constantly put out content because we're at that stage where it's like it's inevitable that so much content can come out. But it's gonna come a point in time where you're gonna have like okay. When I want to feel this, this is what I'm going to listen to. Yeah. When yeah. I want to feel this, I'm going to listen to this. Yeah. And it's and it's going to be able to be like... And that's interesting because we've never had that. Oh. We've had, we've yeah. had the, I want to hear some hip-hop. Let's, you know, it's and a, it's, it's collectively a, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. So like you 
even if you say like when Fab came out, Fifty, all of this, everything was kind of like in the same kind of mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like, especially in New York, in the New format York. was the same. Yeah. You have a chick record, you got a gang, a thug record. Mm-hmm. It was always the same. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like you got the emo record, you got the party record, you got the lyrics, the message, you got. It's just like whatever. Yeah. And then now that they're even like transforming, or not even transforming, but just like having, like now doing more soundtracks, right. where that was like a big Wu Tang thing. Um, oh, yeah. Kendrick just did the yeah. Black Panther. And then the Creed one that just Mike Will made just did the Creed yeah. one. And it's like the sound, or even the Superfly soundtrack. Yeah. Like it's like this, the, it's the musicality that the, the rappers have now. Yes. It's like, you can see it. Like yeah. you can really see like, okay, yeah. like I'm like even like them doing tracks on like a like a on an old school like old school R and B or like old school funk and like shit that you li- like your mom was listening to yeah. that they're not like they're they're laying Which tracks. Which is the funny thing about uh Puffy's influence in the game was basically and and this is I mean, if you think about it, this could be where the whole thing started. Is the fact that West Coast hip hop had always included the old school, which especially the funk. Bay, the bay. Yeah, yeah, which included the funk. And East Coast, we weren't doing that yeah. until yeah. and then Puff was pulling all well, the albums from it. Old Town, Tribe, but not not on the level. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. it's into the production, yeah. like it may be a part of the song and the art. Yeah, but not the sampling of the actual right. sampling of it. Yeah, and then Puffy did that. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I mean, so, you look if you even look at the Kanye's. I mean, it's, we could even say that the state of hip hop has not really changed but evolved because it's the same. We've evolved, and and I think that, like I said, I think we're, we're gonna be okay. You know, you got different artists doing different things, but whatever's happening is, I guess, all for the greater good. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah. you know what I mean. So because people are growing, I I, I just feel like. Uh, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, people are growing. And, like, yeah, it's like if Pac and Big walked in right now, they would say this is a lot different than what we were used to, a lot different than what we saw, but it was it was uh, all for the, for the greater. They had the old-school competitor spirit of hip-hop, which is not fully there anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, like, and, and partially because of them, because now the compet- competition is beef, but they had the, co- the competitive spirit. So if they came in now, They'd be like, I can do this shit better than anybody. Exactly. And they would step up and they would make this shit hot. <laughs> exactly. We're going to cut, y'all. Wine and Hip Hop LA. I got my Brooklyn brothers right here. Thank you for I appreciate it. it. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in. I wish uh, we had some more, but we'll probably crack another bottle and just sit up here and talk for another two hours. Wine and Hip Hop LA. Thank you guys. We love you.